Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. All the way back to the beginning. I'm your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Robbie Helene. Hey, everybody. So, so what just happened here is that you're just now listening to this, but we just recorded the entire intro along with our tomfoolery, and I bailed on it and felt badly and felt like we should not record it. We should not post it. So if you're one of our Patreon supporters, you can get access <laughs> How the, am I just now finding out that we have Patreon supporters? Well, we haven't, but oh. if we tell them, you get the outtakes. Oh, okay. You get the extended intro. That's a great Whoa. idea. Extended intro. Where was this idea two years ago? Right. Yeah. I feel like that's the thing that we need to do like, for kicks, like a Kickstarter, uh-huh. because once people hear the first extended intro... They won't want to keep buying no. that. No. Yeah. That's not yeah. a good subscription model. No, that's, that's a, a pay, one-off. Yeah. Pay up front. <laughs> that's a... <laughs> You pay up front, and we'll give you all the outtakes from the extended intros. And then they'll get it, and they'll go, oh. Oh, that wasn't worth it. Kind of like those, remember the 1995 for the all your greatest hits? Remember the, oh, the infomercials? Those so great, yep. And you would just scroll the songs, and like all the greatest songs about and from your generation. And yeah. Those were great collections. They're, and they're the most ridiculous things now, because now you can listen to any song at any time. Isn't that weird? It is so weird. We had we went from that was awesome because you didn't have to buy all the albums and there were all these random songs. And so of course you're gonna make three payments of nineteen ninety five for this. Of course you are. Six because that's the only that was the only I'm not buying all forty of those albums, right? right? I want to get the collection. Yeah. The time life collection. The time that's what yeah, yeah. time life oh look what I have. No, what do you do? What, yes. Did you just show me something on I the podcast? Showing you that something. is so unlike you. That is something that we started doing. We show each other things and make expressions. Oh, Robbie's. I am, whole, yeah. I am displaying for Jay my Sony Walkman FM AM cassette player. Dude, close it again. Open it and close it. Because I think people from the sound probably Ready? heard it. There it is. Yeah, load the cassette no, oh, yeah, into that's it. A, that's a, that's yeah. a distinctive sound. Ready? Loading in the cassette. Which is a mixtape, by the way. Oh my goodness! Boom! I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to walk can... and listen to music at the same time. Now, you know, here's what's great about those, though, is those things were indestructible. Yes, and so they actually. So when CDs became popular, they were like, "Oh, we'll make these Sony Discmans," but that didn't work because no, they would skip all the time. Skip, yeah, that laser skipped all you over. Like, this thing, you pull it out, and it would catch the tape. And like unravel the entire thing, and all you need to do, you just stick a pencil in there, right. right? You just spin it, repaired, back in business. Isn't there? Wasn't that a scene from the original Top Gun or something? There's something where people like put a had like a Walkman like that, and while they're doing something, I thought, man, no way you could do that with a no. Discman. That's right, so... right now there's multiple, not just one, but at least two generations that probably aren't listening to this anyway. But if they were, we'd be going, what are you talking about? What is, it's, what's a cas- cassette? What is a cassette? A cassette? That's a, and it's about the size of the original iPod too, which is so great. <laughs> like is, that thing was a brick. Dude, that thing weighed like 11 look, pounds. Yeah. I always love that. Like now looking back and I was like, look at this. I can, I can store like 18 CDs in that. And like, you know, <laughs> that seems about the size of 18 right, CDs, right. like an 18 CD disc changer. Mm. <gasps> disc changers. Disc changers. Uh, I had a disc changer in my garage or my garage in my, the trunk of my car. I had one of those six disc oh, changers. Oh yeah. My friend trunk. had one of those. And it was supposed to like. I don't know, make it less skippy and less like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it, it meant that like when you were on a road trip, you'd have to stop, pull over, and you had to make big yeah. decisions about 
like okay what are the six discs that we might I want know, to listen once to you're 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 in you're committed yeah yeah we i i always i tried to think if you had a car that we could access the trunk you know from from the back seat sometimes you could fold the down the oh, back yeah, yeah. seat but you still wouldn't be able to get to no it. you still so, can't yeah. get to it because it's facing out yeah you're committed all right well that's great speaking of committed uh I don't know why. Hey, remember when you yelled out "Amen" during the sermon this past weekend? You and I so and all amazing. the listeners all know that was not me. Okay, so if you didn't listen, you have to listen to the sermon, not for any of the content or anything like that. But there is a not a, for any, not for well, the actual biblical content. Right, right, but no, no, if for no other reason, you have to listen because it was such perfect timing. So I'm saying, um, I, I'm un, uncharacteristically saying nice things about Robbie. And uh, which is making Robbie super uncomfortable. I did not tell Correct. him I was going to use that as an illustration, no. and nor would I ever, because it's much more fun to watch him squirm. Um, but someone two rows behind you very appropriately said "Amen" when I said, "Like if you if you've been impacted by the ministry over the last six years or so, then you should thank Robbie." Um, <laughs> and somebody said "Amen," and again totally appropriate absolutely should have done it but the fact that he was directly behind you like two rows behind you and so my first thought in my head was that came right from like where Robbie is sitting and I just love the idea of you amening myself right you should all thank me you know what oh gosh I feel gross even (laughs) I know that's why I'm bringing it up again they don't Makes me uncomfortable it's all like, over again. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. Like I feel like <laughs> it's like having leftover pizza that you really loved. It's it's like or Thanksgiving leftovers. That's is what That's this is way like. Better. Thanksgiving leftovers. Yeah. Okay, thank so you. which is better, the original or right now? Like this is this is pretty great for me right now to watch oh, you so uncomfortable. Glad. So you're welcome. Yeah. Which which part of my what I said about you is your favorite? Oh gosh. <laughs> it's- this, that is the worst. This, this conversation is so the worst. Okay. Well, that was not the main point of the sermon. No. So blessedly, you had some questions. Let's let's save people from ourselves. And what you had quite, you wrote down things, which is unusual. <clears throat> I know, but taking notes during no, the like sermon? right now. You were oh, like, right. oh, I have things that I think. Oh, we should yeah. Talk about. I just wanted to remember remember your alliterations. I wrote it down now because I remembered it so well from your sermon, mm-hmm. which is really good. I wanted to point out how delighted I was. I mentioned this to you before we hit record, and now I'm going to say it again after we have hit record. But I love how early on in the week you were anxious about that passage and and were wondering how on earth do you make a passage about the leader of the synagogue getting beat up for letting Paul talk, like how that was going to be relevant and impactful. And and then by the end of the week, once you had kind of fleshed it out, you were feeling encouraged and, and looking forward to preaching it. And then Sunday morning, that passage, uh, I mean, I had I had a half dozen conversations before, like right after service, during lunch, and uh, of like multiple people who found that to be a particularly impactful uh, sermon, which I just love. I love, I mean, we talk about all the time how sometimes you go into something feeling like, this is going to be the worst. And that's often when God does just something really extraordinary. So I, is it, was there anything in that, in that week when you kind of transition between, Oh my goodness, how am I going to preach this to this is it? Like, this is what I, what I need to do. Like what, what stood out to you that made you feel like, okay, I've got it. Like this is, this is what God's wanting to teach us through this. Well, it was, 
it was, um, so when you just read that passage, there are a lot of things that jump out. Um, one is the apathy of the Roman government, <laughs> right. like towards, they just don't yeah, care. Right. Yeah. And so there are a lot of things I could, I could have gone down the road of like, Hey, and in fact, I said to you, I was yeah. like, well, so is this sermon like government doesn't care about you? doesn't really care. Um, and, and there are some parallels. We've seen how in our culture, um, political parties will use, try to use the church for their own gain. And right. when they stop serving that purpose, then they're, they're done. They're not really interested in right. you. And, um, and that's, what's happening in the Roman government. Like they're, 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 uh, they find Christianity kind of entertaining at times. Yeah. Curious at other times, but ultimately they don't really Especially care. early on, because early right. on, they just assumed this is just an offshoot of Judaism, right. and it's kind of fun watching them argue with each yes. other. Like, this yeah, is fascinating. Yeah, that. And then if it gets too out of hand, they just, like, yeah. you know. We'll just kill them all. Right. That's, that's, so, so there is all that dynamic, and I just didn't feel at peace with any of that. I just felt like, I don't, that does not seem like what, what God has for us this week, and I didn't, I just didn't feel good about that. And so then you're just reading, and then in the middle of the passage, you're just like, holy cow, like, God speaks to Paul. <laughs> Paul come, yeah. God comes to Paul in yeah. a vision. I feel like that. So I think is is it's it's an interesting thought. There, so there's a way to understand scripture in a in a context. Not only was it written in a context, but we are reading it in a context, and God is yeah. sovereign over both of those contexts. And yes. so that's why we believe that God's word is completely relevant, and um, and it it doesn't matter to what degree we are the same or different than when it was first written because God, God's word is eternal like that. And it, and it adapts um, by his sovereign design. And so there's, there's that piece of that. It is important that we understand like, Hey, this is for a certain people in a certain time and a place that it was written. And then right now it's being preached to a specific people in a specific time and place. So, so that is important, but I think it's also important that we have to be mindful of our own bias of when like something's on our mind, we can see it in right. a lot of places. Right. That's so true. And so I, when I just pulled back and I just thought, okay, what, if you're just reading this, what's, what's the tenor of this and, and what's going on with Paul? And it just, all of a sudden you just realize this is encouragement. Like Paul is so... Yeah. beaten down and just so discouraged and you see him have that kind of tantrum in the synagogue and yet he's surrounded by all of this encouragement and mm-hmm. so it just it just felt like man with all the things that we see happening right now in our church i just thought okay god i think you i think what you want is a reminder that we yes we're seeing all this fruit that doesn't mean there's not discouragement right now. Hmm. It doesn't mean that there aren't people who are tired. And because with, as you know, Robbie, like if you're going to be in ministry, you, every season of, of seeing fruit is also a season of discouragement. Yeah. Like it's just, we are, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. That's it's right. just always That's these right. intention. In and it, most of the time is just what we choose to kind of focus on or, or what, you know, it's our, we're the ones that are kind of, um, like some days we feel like we can handle all the discouragement because of all the great things that are happening. And other days we feel discouraged, even though there are incredible things happening all around yeah. us. Yeah. And so I just thought, okay, now what I was surprised by was, um, as, as dumb as this sounds is that the spirit actually knew what he was doing with that. Hmm. So I thought, yeah. 
okay, I think this is just going to be a message of encouragement. And I don't know how many people this is going to hit, but I just think that that's what we need to do is focus on what is God doing and what is he saying in this passage? What I didn't realize and what I saw on the faces of people as I'm preaching it was how many people in our church needed to hear that. Yes. And how many people acknowledged that that was the spirit because their response was that sermon was for me. Right. Specifically, like... I needed to hear, I needed to be reminded of, I needed to be encouraged by, I needed to be pointed to like those, those truths. So that's, that's when you really know that the Spirit's doing something. When, when, not when someone says like, that was a great sermon, right. but when someone acknowledges like, dude, the Holy Spirit of the living God made sure that I was here this morning because he knew I needed that for my soul. Like right. That's, those are those moments where you can just kind of take a step back and just praise God for being God, praise the spirit mm-hmm. for, for fulfilling his promise that his word will not return void. Like it will accomplish exactly what he intends for it to accomplish. And, and that he guided and directed you throughout the week to emphasize that thing. I think that's, uh, that might be, I don't know if this is worth spending time on, but I, th- I think, you know, we talk about the podcast is where we kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and you kind of see what's going on behind the stage. Uh, I think, I think one of the things that's important to realize is as as you're preparing a sermon like that, like we just acknowledge, like there's a couple different angles that you could go. Sure. And so it's not a matter necessarily of saying like, well, what is the what is the absolute ultimate only meaning of this passage? Sometimes there's several different things that you could be communicating, several different things that you can emphasize. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes the author is clearly emphasizing one thing, but sometimes you could take it a couple different angles and and the role of the responsible shepherd is to know his sheep well enough to know okay but what do they need mm-hmm. to eat today like what's what is actually going to be encouraging to them what is the right kind of correction like if i can go if there's multiple options of where i can take this passage that are all equally biblical and all equally true you you are being sensitive to the spirit in that week and saying, yeah, but what does our church need? I could go this direction and that would be true, but what is, and, and the spirit just nudges you toward, no, no, my people in this building on this coming Sunday don't need to hear that. They need to hear this. And then right. that's affirmed on Sunday when the response from the people is, oh my goodness, did I ever need that? Like, that's just such an encouraging picture of God's active involvement in the shepherding of his people. Right. And I think that's what, what we talk about when we say how important it is to actually be together in a time and yes. place. Yes. Because for sure, if, I mean, and anybody listening knows what this is like, probably where you listen to us, <clears throat> like whether you're at a church service, you hear something live and in a specific time and a place and then you send it to somebody. So you have to listen. You have to listen to the sermon. Yeah. And they listen to it and they're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not what, the same. What? It's not. It's not the same. Like, there's something specific and unique that happens when God's people are gathered together. And and there is, I think there has been some confusion in the church about what preaching even is. And so I don't I don't want to get down yeah. a, too much of a rabbit trail on this. But um, it's not a Bible study. Right. And it's not a podcast. And it's not a podcast, right? And it's so. Um, I do think that we are like we are also teaching the Bible as we are preaching, and we want to um, 
we we want to treat the scriptures well and and so that means i don't just take some random verse out of there and use it as a launching pad to just talk about whatever right. soapbox i want to be on for that week even yeah. though it has nothing to do with the passage like if you're going to teach if you're going to preach through a book of the bible then you need to be faithful to the the storylines and the context and the, all those different things um but at the same time especially in a in a book like acts these are this is a narrative and when you're teaching um narratives or you're preaching narratives there's it's a narrative so so there are different characters in the story and there are different um there are different angles for different people and and identifying you'll identify with different people in the narrative at different times right um and so i i do think that time and place is really important even as we were talking about in the sermon the the time and, and place for paul and when he's writing these things, when you <laughs> right, look at first and right. second Corinthians, you're like, this is what he was going, this is what he's remembering. Yeah, or yeah. when he wrote, you know, this, like, uh, to the church in Philippi, he's here and he's talking about this. And it's, that's what I've really loved about preaching through acts is we get to, we get to draw those connections yeah. using the historical account as the backdrop of, and this is, so this he's going through right here. This is what he was going through when he wrote this. And so it kind of adds a little bit mm-hmm. of, depth to it right you know it, it connects it to reality it connects it to history right. like we realize this is this is a real person engaged with real people in an actual city and this is a letter that he wrote to these people that he had some level of relationship with and experienced some highs and lows with like it just it right. grounds it and makes it so much more tangible yeah yeah and i think it gives us it allows us to empathize and i I didn't really press too much into this because I think the sermon ended up going in a direction. If I, had I had I known 100% of where it was going at the beginning, I probably would have laid more foundation of this. But I think it, it there's such humanness to Paul in this passage, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think yeah. I think you can realize that when Paul says things like "I've learned to be content," "I learned the secret of being content," and he you know talks about all the different situations in Philippians four that he has handled. And he says, I can do all things through him. It gives me strength. Like it's so easy to put Paul on this pedestal and to say that he is, he is writing all these things out from this very even keel kind of right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or like the Zen like state, you know, you just, you'd be around him and be like, Oh, look at, like he well, he always feels this way and he always interacts in this way and he always does, you know, always does the right thing. Paul is not Jesus. Right. Right. I do think that you could be dropped into any moment in the life of Jesus and you would see a hundred percent fully exhibited the fruit of the spirit yes. and you know perfect right, perfect, right. perfect character, nature, whether he's angry or compassionate or whatever's going on in the moment, you will say, Wow, that is holy. You would yes. always say that. That is not the case with Paul. Or anyone else in human history. Or anyone history. else in human history. So it is really interesting. I don't know what you think about this. Like, what do you think about that passage when he basically throws his hissy fit in the synagogue? It, you know, we look at it, we often gloss over, at least I've heard it taught this way, where you just say, well, and this is the point where Paul turns his attention completely to the Gentiles. Right. Like, can we get over the fact that he right. is like, that's it. Your blood be on your own heads. Like, I am I am innocent of your blood. And right. I am like, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm out. Like, it's less like a, like he's he's in a meeting with Luke and Barnabas and they're making some methodological changes, right? Hey, let's let's shift our focus here. Like right. he's 
bummed. He is bummed right. by their response, and and in his frustration, he's like, "Nuts to you guys! I am, I'm going to go this direction." And I mean, whether or not that was the a the healthiest and most biblical response in that moment, like Scripture doesn't no doesn't say that. I I would argue probably not. Like I would argue, <laughs> Spirit's probably going. I don't really love how you handle that. However, like this is right. This is where this we're is doing, where yeah. we're going. Yeah. This is the direction that we're going. You know, I kind of warned you mm-hmm. that they weren't going to be into that. But so you know, we see and we try to remind people when we're reading scripture that that everything in there is true. That doesn't necessarily mean that God is affirming everything in there. Right. Like so, He's not necessarily saying, and this is exactly how you should handle it when the church does not respond well to you. Right. You should say, "Your blood be on all your hands." I'm I'm out of here. Right. Like, but he is acknowledging this did happen. This is actually what happened. And then this is how God uses that moving forward. Uh, I just, I think it's fascinating. And I, I love, one of my favorite things about scripture is all throughout the entire thing, Old Testament, New Testament, all of it, Holy Spirit, as he's allowing us to learn about who God is and, and what he is doing and who his people are, it is not a sugar-coated, edited version. Right. Like, we get all of the muck and mire and blood and, and all of that stuff in it, and we see these guys like Paul and Peter and 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 even John, who's, like, arguably the most, like, sensitive. Like, he's one of my favorites, man. He's, like, the sensitive, like, emotive, right. and, like, even he's like, hey, here's the thing, Jesus. I'm the best, Right. Can right. we just tell everybody? Can you like establish that as like official doctrine that I'm I'm the greatest? That's a jerk move, right? right? So like even even the ones that we look to and go, man, these guys are like he's probably the best among these guys. We still see that they're a mess. They're a mess too, and and I I love that because I am a mess, and and I I like being able to relate to basically everyone in Scripture, and then see the distinction of who this Jesus is and how different he is from right. everyone else. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I find it very, I find Paul very relatable in this situation and mm. uh, just the feeling of discouragement where you, you just, you feel like you're beating your head against the wall and you and I both planted churches or, you know, started churches in different yep. cities and, and you do, you get to a place where you, there are times where you're just so, you're just done. Like you're just fed up. And to see that in Paul, um, yeah, because it would have been totally different if he had, he had said, well, because of the hardness of your hearts, I, I shall depart from you, but oh, oh, that you would turn. But, and he does do that in other places, you know, but there, like in Romans, he, you know, he, you, you see his love. Right. So like what's coming out there is not hatred for, but it's this love. And, and, Anybody who has been involved in ministry or has desperately shared the gospel with someone you care about in your family or whatever knows that tension and that feeling of yeah. you desperately want them to know and and to come to Jesus and but you're also like so frustrated that it just doesn't matter how you communicate it or how you do it. it they just they just aren't hearing it. You know. Exactly. And and I think it's so important that you that you remind us of Romans because that's written quite a bit later after this mm-hmm. event. And you see three chapters of that letter is just Paul like pouring out his heartbreak over the Jews, over his people. Right. 
So this isn't actually a a the Jews don't matter and I'm no longer, you know, I don't care right. about what happens to them anymore. Like, yeah, in this moment he's frustrated and I would guess he probably would look back at that moment and go, well, I'm not sure that that was the best way to handle that. I kind of wish I could redo that one. Right. Um, because then we see him him literally just pouring out his heart, grieving over the state of his own people, but also celebrating like, but God is working in them. Like he is not done with them yet. And so mm-hmm. I think it's, when you know when you zoom out, that's what helps you see what was and what was not happening in this context, in this event, in the narrative of Acts. Yeah, and I think that's clearly happening right now in the, in the church. I think there's a lot of people who feel frustrated, and it's it's not just recently. I mean, it, I've yeah. I've talked to so many people um, who have felt done with the church. Yeah, and just felt done. Like, how many people do you hear say, well, I, I believe in God, I love Jesus, but I, I don't like the church. And you've talked about how that's nonsensical. You can't right. you can't say that um, and be faithful because the church is the bride of Christ. And you've right. used the illustration that if, if someone says, hey, I love you, but I hate your wife. Like, I don't have anything to do there. Like, you're, we're not going to be friends. Yeah, we're probably, you know, we're not going to be friends. And so I, I, I think it's just a reminder of that, yeah, when Paul says that, that is not a license. When he says, I'm, I'm done with you, like I wash my hands, that is not something that we are supposed to mimic. No. Um, in in the way that we often do. Now, I would say, and I, I kind of alluded to this, um, that I, I didn't do a very good job of connecting the dots, I don't think, but I did allude to that there are times that you are supposed to, I mean, I think Paul was supposed to take the ministry to the Gentiles. Yes. So just because in the moment he kind of flipped out, doesn't mean that that wasn't what he was actually supposed to be doing. Right. And that takes a lot of discernment of the spirit that I do. I've shared this story before, but I had a, um, I had a person I really looked up to who came to speak and it was when you're in Denver and, um, I had been so fixated on specific people in our neighborhood. And I just, you know, for a couple of years had really, you know, been focused on them. And I, I thought this guy was going to, um, commend me for that to say like, Hey, way to not chase after numbers, way mm-hmm. to not just, yeah. you know, but to actually the long work of, of developing relationships with people. And when he heard my story and when he heard, he asked some questions about the the relationship and about these friendships that I was trying to share the gospel, but hadn't seen any fruit is he said, he said, you, you need to ask the question of, um, is it possible that the enemy is using these relationships to distract you from what God's actually calling you to do? And I had never even made, I'd never even entertained the idea of that. Right. And his point was, Jesus says the fields are white for harvest. Like God is, mm. and that was the first time that I really got the idea that, holy cow, God is saving people in this neighborhood. And if you're spending all of your time with people who are demonstrating a hardness of heart, that is not actually what Jesus did. Jesus very, very yeah. let people go. Yeah. He very quickly, just easily, people would walk away. And he, it's always fascinating to me that he, like while on earth, his, if when people turned and walked away, he was kind of like, okay. And yeah. then he just kept going. Not because he didn't care about them, 
Not because like if they returned, it's not like he, he's going to, he didn't chastise them when they came back or whatever. He's just like, okay, well, this is yeah. the way this works. And so it kind of opened my eyes a little bit to say, okay, so I do, I am responsible in certain areas, my neighbors, my family, like I should continue. There is a tension there. I guess that's my point. There's a tension that we are to continue to share the gospel, to continue to love people regardless of their response and to never give up on somebody. But at the same time to hold all that loosely and not let that blind us to the person that's right next to them who God is actually saving. Like we need to have eyes to see that and to not feel like we're just abandoning. And I wonder if part of Paul's emotional response is the personal battle that he's probably dealing with the feeling like, like I want to quit, but I can't quit. I shouldn't like, I should probably like whatever, but he's trying to listen to the spirit in that moment. And there's all these emotions and all this tension or whatever. And I see that in a lot of our people where they're like, I've been sharing the gospel with this person and they're so fixated on this person who is, is right now hardened to it that they, that they're missing other opportunities and they're missing the joy of seeing the fruit in other areas because they're so fixated on this, on this. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's what makes your illustration of the two baristas so impactful, right? Because you're, you're fixated on one while the other is overhearing all of it and is actually the one that the spirit is working in. And, and if you think, but, but this is my task, like I have committed to this task you could find yourself saying, I- I- I'm sorry, like this is the person that I'm inviting. And you think like, wow, that's ridiculous. But we do versions of that. We do oh, yeah. see fruit oh, or, sure. over here, but instead say, well, no, but this is this is what I have committed to, even though I see no fruit in here. And I think, well, then that just means I need to try even harder to work in this place that there is no fruit. And and you're right. we We don't see Jesus doing that. And and his parables actually would lead us to believe that that's fool, like that's that's the equivalent right. of saying I'm just going to keep raking this concrete path until these seeds take root. And Jesus is like that's that's that doesn't happen here. Like right. that only that only grows in the good soil. Meanwhile, like I'm letting the good soil get filled with weeds because I'm not tending to it because I'm I keep trying to you know shove a seed in between the crack and the concrete. Like Jesus not only gives us the freedom but says like. Like I'm the one who's doing the work. You go to where you see the fruit, which there's a tension there, right? Because I, I, I don't want to have a flippant attitude about that either and just say, well, I'm not seeing fruit fast enough, so I'm just moving on. Right. But knowing, trusting the Spirit to give me wisdom to know there is a time where the best thing that I can do is to shift focus and say... I I need to like I actually see fruit growing here. This needs to be tended to. Right. And and the, the same way in your kind of shifting attention to the other barista and saying, "Oh, you are actually engaging in this." So, I want to you know, a pastor we both used to serve under used to say, you know, riding the spiritual wave, right? right? Yeah. Like you don't manufacture the wave, but I want to be on my board and ready to paddle and hop up when I see that wave coming. Um, that's that that can be a difficult thing in ministry. I think it is, and and just so we're clear, like we're all in we're all in ministry. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're in ministry, and yeah. you've been placed somewhere to love people. And um, so many of our people have expressed 
frustration of, you know, I've been faithfully trying to invite people to church or share the gospel. And, and I just, I, I just get rejected all the time. Like nobody's ever said, nobody's saying yes, nobody. And I do think, um, I think it's worth when we don't, when we don't see any fruit, it is important to ask questions of, Mm -hmm. well, is there something about me and how I'm functioning, um, that is not like, maybe I'm not being clear. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not very winsome and Mm. maybe, maybe God is doing something in their life, but I'm the last person they're actually going to respond to because, because my reputation is I'm judgmental and whatever. I mean, there are, there could be, um, there definitely could be situations like that. So I think it's worthwhile to ask the question, but sometimes, sometimes it is the answer is just keep being faithful. Eventually this is, and we have tons of examples of this, especially for international missionaries. And this is always the, the challenge that people have is, well, do you, there are missionaries who go and they, they serve their whole life and they're just faithful to this place and they never see fruit but the seeds that they planted actually end up blooming after, after they die or way at the end of their life. And so we'll use that as an example of like, so that's why you have to, you stick it out you stay with them, you know, as long as it takes. Okay. Yes. But also there are people who have spent their entire lives beating their heads against a brick wall. Like to your point where they're trying to, they're trying to sow seeds on just concrete and they're just, it's never happening. And the Holy Spirit is telling them it's not going to happen, but not going to happen. But out of just our own self-discipline or self-righteousness or pride or, or just commitment to a method rather than to yeah. actually listen to the spirit, yeah. we find ourselves unnecessarily beating our heads against the wall. Mm. And I don't know, like, I don't know if you have any help of how do you know the difference? Like, and, and what do you do to even no, okay, is is this God telling me I'm supposed to move on or is God actually calling me to persevere in this situation? I mean, can you do that apart from intimacy with the Spirit of God? I mean, can you... There, there, no. No. <laughs> the answer is no. Um, I mean, that's where, that's where I, I need to be abiding in Christ or I don't know the difference because if I'm right. not abiding in Christ, if I have no idea how to follow him to, to uh, discern his guidance and his wisdom, then I, I just have to default to the check boxes of, well, if it's how long is enough time to try with someone before you give up? Well, that's a nonsense question. I don't know. Like, Somewhere right. between five minutes and forever. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean? Like how long, like yeah. how much, how much is, how much time is this person worth? Like, is that what we're asking? I sure hope not. So if it, if we are not saying, well, the answer is only in abiding so closely with Jesus that when he's nudging me, I'm, I'm willing to go that direction when that that I have a radar for this in such a way that I'm actually ready and expectant to hear the other barista say, well, can I come? And I can go, boom. Okay, so my faithfulness mm-hmm. was pursuing lost people, not pursuing this lost person. Right. And and if that's what I'm thinking, then I'm, I'm able to quickly pivot when I actually see this other one mm-hmm. is the one who is responding to that. But I can't, 
I can't do that if I'm not personally pursuing active intimacy with the triune God of the universe who is going right. to help me in that. Because the only alternative is is checkboxes and data of just this. If you, you try this many minutes with that person, and if not, then move on to the other person. Or try being in that ministry for this long. And if you don't hit these metrics, then move on. I mean, we saw that in the church planting world of yeah. you build those metrics and you say, if you don't have X number of people and X amount of income by X year, fold the church because it's not successful. Right. And like that, that's absurd. <laughs> that, does, that makes no, that barely makes earthly sense, let mm-hmm. alone mm-hmm. biblical sense. Um, but that's what happens when the answer is, here's the methodology, not the answer is abiding in Christ and allowing him to lead and guide you. Yeah. That's part of like part of my story and, and, planting the church in Denver is that it was, it was over two years before we had anyone, before we met with people. And they, if, if you are not aware, which I'm assuming most of our listeners are not aware of those metrics, but they would train you if you aren't self-sustaining by two years, yeah. then you should just pack up and go home. And to be clear, unless I'm misunderstanding, that you gathered people to meet. You were meeting with people that whole time. I was meeting with people, right, but, right. But to, but to, to actually gather The first time that we had anything that, that a group of people got together yeah. in any form of the church was over two years. And and at that point, we by all the metrics, they would say, you need to have at least 150 people. You need to have, yep. they need to be giving X number of dollars. They should be fully supporting you and and be able to support you know all the financial needs of the church within two years or you should just quit because yeah. it'll never happen. And so here we are at the two year mark supposed to be totally self-sustaining with 150 people. We have zero people, right. no money. I'm and, but we, but the only answer I can give is that we, and I actually had, and I had opportunities at that point that people mm-hmm. gave offered other opportunities. We could have left and we didn't because we believe that God wasn't done. Like we were supposed to stay. And then, Nine years into it, we it became clear that God was saying it's time to go. Yeah, and like so, why why do you stay in one situation and not in the other? And I think, like you said, it is intimacy with the Holy Spirit, and you and you can't just go from from nothing to intimacy when you right. when you just like a it's not like a um like the magic eight ball or whatever, right? And like that comes. You hear, and this is not at all what the point of any of this was, but I just think it's important. Uh, you hear from the Holy Spirit and the big things when you have listened to him and all the small things. Yeah. Which is no different than the way we, God set it up so that it mirrors our communication with one another. Right. You know, as a parent, I know, I remember Lauren really helping me one time. Like if you, if you don't, if you don't listen to your kid's, in the, in the small things, then they won't tell you the big things. Yeah. So you, that means you gotta, you gotta care about the, you know, the little, whatever, like right. the little Lego thing that they built right. that you're like, Oh, it's a stick and whatever. And like, they're going to, if they describe all that to you, well that you're laying the foundation. And so when the Holy spirit is, when you're listening on a daily basis about all the small things, then when, when the bigger things come up, you'll, you'll hear that. So I think that's important that rhythm of, of learning to hear and discern his voice 
um, which just happens through practice and faith and faithful obedience. Um, But I think it's also being aware of your own personality. You know, if you're the person that always wants to bail and like always is looking to the next thing or a new thing or whatever, then be mindful when you're like, I think God's telling me to move. I think he's telling me like, okay, well maybe, but that's also your tendency. So it doesn't mean he's not because I think that people who are wired like that actually do move more often. I think Paul's wired that way. And so, so God doesn't work against our wiring. He's the one that wired us. However, we have to be mindful of, man, my bent is always to, to want to go do the new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to go meet the new person to do whatever. So maybe, maybe I just need to be mindful of that. Or if you're the type of person who always thinks a door is closed and always thinks right. like, I'm not sure, like maybe be aware of that. Yep. Just be mindful yeah. of it. And instrumental in being mindful on that is one of the, your points in your alliteration. Friends. Friends, right? Like I Finance. Have, I have <laughs> friends, finances, and fruit, right? Like, so if I'm wondering about the fruit, uh, I, I am going to seek the counsel of my friends who are also abiding in Christ. So when I'm trying to make a difficult decision, like, do I leave the church that I planted that I love dearly and I wanted to serve until I died? I'm not going to make that decision on my own. I'm going to ask for counsel from other men and women who I know are abiding in Christ and are listening to him. And when all of those people are all saying the same thing and they're all saying, I think you're supposed to move on and do this other thing. That's what gives me clarity yes. to, when I'm saying, yeah, but what about this and what about that? And those those Jesus-following friends of mine who are also abiding in Christ are saying, no, I think, I think this you're supposed to hand off to this other person and you're supposed to be going to do this. Well, then, then I can, even in difficult situations, move forward with a high degree of confidence that this is what God is doing. Because when he is doing it, there's unity around that thing mm-hmm. among those who are following him. And right. So so there's having those friends around me uh, is integral in, in, in being able to discern, is it is it time for me to, to, to double down on this or time for me to move on to another endeavor? Like I, need, I need to listen to those voices who are also listening to the voice of God to give me clarity in that. Which we don't we don't know for sure, but I don't think it's a leap to think Silas and Timothy when they come on the scene. I'm sure they process that. I'm sure right. Paul was like, "Hey, I I feel like I'm done. Like right. saying, I got to go to the Gentiles or whatever." And and I'm sure Silas and Timothy probably got to a place where they were like, "Yeah, we think that that is yeah. good." Yeah. Um, maybe maybe tone down the whole blood on your hands right, kind of speech right. but uh nay, the ex- yeah. like maybe <laughs> just maybe just like a, hey you know hopefully we'll see you around right <laughs> what did melanchthon say to martin luther something like the, the the truth will be easier to handle at a lower temperature oh that's that a so great good. line that's such <laughs> a good great line i'm sure paul heard something along those something lines along more those than lines. once and i don't think people realize that so you uh when you came up here six it was six years, six years ago. ago, yeah. When you came up here six years ago, you would not have come up here if if all the elders in your church where you were serving with, if they would have all said, we don't think this is what God is doing. Oh, I definitely yeah. would not be here then. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, I think for a lot of people, they would be shocked to hear that. And same thing for us. 
when our when we moved on from the church that we planted, it was the the unanimous like the church body spoke into that and said we we think that you need to go now because they wanted me to go they right. they were praying we were we were putting our lives kind of in their hands yeah. and saying like help us figure this out and then when yeah. we came to Wisconsin it was a similar thing it was the elders of the church that I was serving with um, at that time they it was really critical to me that they were praying with me and speaking into that, not as just giving advice, but like responsibility of like, you're going to, you're going to, I trust you. I trust that God is speaking to you as he's speaking to me. And I need your help in hearing this. And I don't, I just don't think, I think we, I think at best we think of it as like advice. Like I should probably get some (laughs) advice on this. Um, just to make sure I'm thinking about this clearly. Yeah. That is no very way, yeah. different than asking somebody to say, Hey, I, I'm right. looking at making this big move you right. know, or, I, or I'm thinking I, I, I want to leave this and, and move on to this. Um, and I'm just going to trust that God is speaking to you too. So would you, would you, would you pray about this? Yeah. And speak there's a, this? there's a world of difference between, asking for advice and submitting to the wisdom and guidance of others. Those are two completely different things with completely different results. And, and when we are actually willing to submit to the wisdom and counsel and shepherding of others, then, then there is a a real shared responsibility in that. So all those men and women that I sat with and who, who prayed with me and, and gave Stacy and I counsel and, as they're saying, like, we're, we're sending you out. If we got here and it was a total train wreck and it was clearly the wrong decision, then all of those people would have together felt responsible for we made the wrong decision. Right. Not, oh, man, tough luck for you. Yeah. Shouldn't listen to my advice. Like, it, it was a real sense of mm-hmm. we together are saying this is, this is the right thing to do. And so sink or swim, we're in this together. Uh, I, I can't. I would struggle to make those kind of big decisions without that kind of support. And it's foreign in our culture because we're so individualistic. Right. I mean, there are many cultures in the world that that's, this is not their stumbling block. Like I pointed out in the sermon, they have other stumbling blocks, but this isn't one of them. It's so weird to us. Communal support is so ingrained in, in many, if not most other cultures. Right. And it's so not in ours that we actually vilify it. Yeah. So any, I mean, think about how many movies are are built around the idea of like, well, my whole family and my whole community think I'm supposed to be this, but I know I'm this other thing. And so (laughs) I, and in our culture, that person's always championed. Right. That's the, The, the person who ignores what all the wisdom of all the people who know them best, love them most yeah. and have the most experience, they're all ridiculous because right. I want to be this. And then in the movies we glorify it. And that person always like achieves, it always works out perfect always for them out. in the fictitious story. Right. And even Reality, in the true stories, so we, we like magnify <laughs> or glorify the parts it did work out. Yeah. You know, like you, uh, oh gosh, there's so many, so many things. Like think uh, Elvis popped into my head and you just think like, okay. So yeah, Elvis followed his heart and his dream to like be a rock star and he became a rock star Yeah, and died of like a terrible, lonely, <laughs> a horrible, lonely death. death. Right. Yeah. I, you like 
Yeah. It's so sad. And I don't want to, I'm not making light of that. I'm not belittling right. that, but I'm just saying, even I think about that with, uh, you hear it when you re- read biographies of like baseball players. That's my, one of my sons loves listening to biographies of baseball players. Yeah. And it'll be like this, you know, and, and he achieved this thing. Like his father pushed him and pushed him yeah. and pushed him. And that's what made him so great. And I'm like, yes, also made him hate his father. And right, they were totally right, estranged right. for that entire time. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's a win, but it's just interesting <clears throat> yeah. what we choose to measure as success. Right. And so somehow we think like, well, the worst possible thing is that I don't do what I really want to right. do or what I know to be right. And we, we think that we vilify the community that says no. Now, right. can the community be wrong? Absolutely. Of course. Like, that's why we're that saying certainly happened in you should be in well. community yeah. of people who are listening to the spirit. Yes. So you could go and ask advice. You could have gone and asked advice of the people in the church who were the least spiritually mature, who just selfishly wanted you to stay. Right. And they would say like, oh, why would you want to go? Like you're, you have a nice house here and you have all your friends here and that is, they're not thinking spiritually. Right. The key is you need to be asking for counsel from people who love Jesus, have, you know, have demonstrated humility and that they love you more than they love like the fact that you're in their life or that you, you -hmm. know, that or Mm -hmm. what you give to them. And so that, that is, that's critical. And that's, that's, we're not perfect in that. Um, that's why you need communal, which by the way, one other thought on that, that's why it's so important that it's actually in community, that it's not just a bunch of individuals then that you're going and asking for advice, but like together, um, that together, that's why when our, with our gospel communities, that they, they're meant, they're designed to be praying together about how are they reaching this this community or yeah. this school or whatever, because they're using discernment together as a body, um, and and trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and and discern what He's calling them to do. Well, if you hear all of that and you think that sounds great, but I have no idea how to do that. I don't have those people yet. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to be that kind of friend to other people. I don't know what it means to abide in Christ. That is what we are here for. We want to help you and serve you and come alongside you in that. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can always find us at connect at faithpestigo.com or grab one of us on a Sunday morning after service. Uh, we would love to talk to you, pray with you, and uh, and help you uh, either get more connected uh, to the community of faith, but uh, or to be connected uh, more to uh, the Jesus that we gather in order to follow and, and grow in our love of Him and dependence on Him and delight in Him. And until next time, grace and peace to you.